Hello and welcome to the Blueprint Podcast. The Blueprint creates content revolving around the do's and don'ts of collegiate and scholastic esports while keeping our audience informed on the facts of the space. We aim to give people in the ecosystem a platform to air out their misconceptions, call out bad practices, or just have a soapbox to stand on and discuss whatever is important to them. Your hosts, Andy and Mike, hope to build a healthier esports environment while simultaneously engaging the productive conversations and rotating guests. I am your host, Andy Mendez, and with me today is my co-host, of course, Michael Viesness, and special guest, Mike Dolly from the Wisconsin High School Esports Association. Welcome to the Blueprint. blueprint. Ah, man, I got all the way through. We're going to keep that take. How are you two gentlemen today? (laughs) Fantastic. You got my name right, at least. My last name. I, that's a first, but also I usually I have a joke lined up for uh, most like guests, and I I just I feel like I don't know Mike enough to like make a really good joke that would be first of all in good taste and second of all funny. But the fact that I flubbed up the last part of the monologue kind of just makes up for that. I feel like um, Mike, it is a pleasure to have you on. How are you doing today? I'm doing just fine today. Thanks for having me. I want to go ahead and kick it off just right away, and I would just I want to hear what your work at the Wisconsin High School Esports Association, first of all, is for those of us listeners who don't know about your association, um, and then number two, uh, what is what is your role in in within the association? Um, so I am the president of the Wisconsin High School Esports Association. Um, it's a project that I have been. Uh, spearheading and working on for the better part of four years, going on five years now at this point. But um, essentially, going back a few years, uh, we had just a casual club at school, and we found that there was um, the high school star league at the school that I was teaching at, and I asked the guys if they wanted to go ahead and participate, in which, of course, they said yes. Um, and so after a couple of semesters competing in that, we got invited down to Robert Morris University for a uh, high school esports invitational. And we went down and, well, we didn't perform very well, but that's besides the point. Um, we, we ended up seeing that there was like three other schools from Wisconsin that made the trip down. Um, so I was just kind of sitting there talking with them and networking. And we kind of decided then that we should go ahead and start something. And we all kind of had the same complaints about the national league, uh, some of the way that it was functioning and performing and stuff like that. And so essentially since then we started with seven schools uh, playing league of legends. And now I have uh, about a hundred to, or 125 to 150 schools that are either active or looking to participate in the next upcoming school year. Um, We've since expanded to, Uh, We offer Overwatch, Smash, Rocket League, and Smite uh, since we can no longer play with the Riot community guidelines. Um, But yeah, so we host like multiple state championships every year. We have big tournaments and stuff like that. Um, It's a lot of fun. And part of my kind of behind the scenes is I do a lot with the scheduling. I do all the social media marketing. Um, Now that I have access to Photoshop again, I'll start to do some of the graphic design. Um, I do some of the shout casting and play by play. I've been putting together annual budgets and I organize the state championships every year from trophies to venues to, uh, like vendors and stuff like that. So, um, I wear a lot of hats. Um, and then I, uh, <laughs> and then I coach, I coach my own program, 
um, as well at my high school. So uh, during competition, it's usually I'm at school by 630 in the morning and I don't stop doing school or esports until 9 p.m. at night when I go to bed. So uh, I'm very lucky to have a very understanding wife of my uh, my passion for this. It sounds like you and I live almost the same life, just in different states. <laughs> it's really, it is, uh, you know, the scholastic space. I mean, I think esports in general, um, wearing a lot of hats and spending a lot of uh, time that you uh, perhaps weren't expecting and or a lot of time doing things that may not necessarily be your job, but still, uh, you know, you're, you're passionate about the project. You want to make sure it succeeds. So you put as much time and effort as you can and as possible. Yeah. Uh, and that's. Oh sure, and that's and that's very evident with with how successful the WIHSCA is. By the way, um, you know, constantly at a national level, you know, we we always hear about the uh, West Coast teams, but of course, uh, the Midwest makes its rise. With uh, you know, I, I'll mention the IHSCA, but of course, the WIHSCA as well being a huge part of that Midwest success. And I feel like, of of course, also with our neighbors in Indiana as well. Um, so I think Mike had a few questions for you. I have a few questions for you, but thanks again for, for kind of running this down and thanks for being on the podcast. Oh, no problem. Yeah. And to kind of just go into it, Mike, you know, make sure we know we're talking to one another, sharing the same name and all. And at the same time, my bad dad joke of today, we're on the mic too. Um, so don't worry, Andy, wow. I got you covered oh, with the goodness. joke. <laughs> Thanks. I, uh, I'm not sure if I would consider that coverage, but sure. <laughs> so yeah, no, my, my one question, I want to go right into it is, you know, you see these state esports associations coming up and you have one in Illinois, you have one in Wisconsin, I believe you have one in Iowa and you have one in Indiana. So we're basically covering the Midwest here. Do you believe Mike that these esports associations led by actual educators is the correct way to go and that publishers should be getting behind those rather than, you know, for-profit companies. So I'm, I'm obviously going to say yes, that I think the K-12 uh, educator run uh, state associations are extremely important because there's a much bigger difference between what we're doing and we understand the the restrictions and requirements that we must do in order to protect our youth, um, especially when it is a school-sponsored event, um, so that we need to, you know, secure our student data. We need to know who exactly has one-to-one -one access with these students. Like, we need to be able to check a lot of boxes for a security standpoint. Um, you know, legally, we need to cover a lot of our bases, um, and I think the state associations understand the ecosystem of their state. And every state is entirely different with the way that certain requirements need to be enforced or restricted. Um, and there's no better expert than somebody that's either already in the classroom or the directors of ITs for those school districts that are the literally the, the, the gatekeepers, if you will, to their normal student body. Um, and I really think that developers should take notice to just how much impact and influence that these state organizations have. Um, I know you mentioned a couple, but I want to, you know, give shout outs to, to, you know, we have Michigan, Ohio, mm -hmm. Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Texas, Washington, Nebraska, Missouri. Like we all work together. Um, we all are in constant communication and we're always bouncing ideas off of each other, just like you do as a profession in the classroom. 
is that one group may do it one way and it works for their system or their state, but then certain, you know, other other ecosystems for the state of Wisconsin. Like, for example, um, I know in Illinois, y'all have like the Chicago, like kind of conference or whatever, and you're starting to expand around the rest of the state. But like, that's a unique situation to your state and to your environment. Right. Whereas Wisconsin, you know, yes. Do we have a lot around the Milwaukee Racine Kenosha area? Yes. But we also have Northwood schools that are competing like north of Highway 8. And they have a whole other set of restrictions that are in place. Like many of our kids can't compete at home. They don't have a stable enough Internet connection in order to play at home. So they're like school is the only place to where some of these students can actually play these games and compete as a team. Now, those schools that, you know, have really restricted um, access like that, is it, is it, um, I guess, should, should we expect them to pay $500 to $2,000 to compete in a national competition to where they're just going to get crushed every week? And like, you know, we build in things like in our organization for like the way that we do divisions based upon enrollment size. Like we look at some of these things in order to help competitive equity, just like we do with traditional athletics in our states. So I think it's really, really important that these educators understand their local ecosystem and how to best serve their clients, which are their students, and then also on how to protect them. So then my follow-up to that is, why do you believe that these IP owners, these publishers are just either not aware or not respecting enough, you know, these, these state associations and kind of going with, you know, these for-profit um, providers and, and instead of the educators that are already, you know, in the trenches, have the boots on the ground, know the students, know the community so uh, intimately? Um, well, to give you my complete honest answer, um, having worked in, in private sector for a while as well, so many of these companies just in general look for quick solutions or as or as they'll say turnkey solutions that are easily implemented and just because they're easily implemented doesn't mean that they're you know highly successful or that they're tracking metrics of success or how how are they defining success of partnering with these like national organizations um i mean previously i've helped develop a lot of like training material uh, for e-learning purposes. And for most companies, that's just checking a box. So that way they can say that, yes, we offer some sort of training. So that way we can't get sued on the back end. And I think from a game developer standpoint, what they're trying to do is find the biggest impact for the least amount of effort that's there. Like educators, we're not asking for the world. We literally just want the ability or at least just a voice at the table so that we can have our voices heard by these developers so that we can influence some of the decisions that will better and more positively impact our students and our, our local environment. And I think that's that's the thing that you're not gonna get from national orgs. Now, I will say that the national competitions, they have their place, um, but I don't think it's a one size fits all model. Mm -hmm. no I do like I do like what you're kind of covering here. And another thing just to add on, you know, you mentioned a long list of names. I, I just talked about the Midwest, but you went on to really cover the a good portion of the rest of the nation. And when you're talking about that voice and to any of the publishers that do, you know, listen in, you have these associations already put together. 
you can essentially grab a speaker for or speakers from each of them to create these boards to really figure out how to engage that demographic more, I think, organically, more authentically than, say, going for a for-profit organization that is just going to throw a few tournaments on there, uh, doesn't understand the communities that they're they're working with, um, has some terms with in terms of high school esports or high school esports summer league or summer bash or fall bash, what have you. And it's, it's a great marketing idea, but you're not really reaching those kids. You're not really reaching those students. And what you see from those for profits and, you know, Andy, I'm going on a little bit for this. Uh, you see for these for profits is they're able to check that box to then go to a partner or a sponsor to say, look at how many people I have. And yeah. you don't want them to say that. Right. What you want them to say is, look how many people I've helped. Look at the communities we've empowered. And you're only going to get that, I believe, from a high school esports association that and if directly I, cares. Go ahead. If I, if, I, if I may interject, and it's, it's funny because you did ask the question, like, is it, is it that the developers just don't know of the state associations? Mm-hmm. They're, they're very much aware. And I'm not going to say they. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and name Riot Games. They're very much aware of the state association's presence. And the uh, for somewhat recently, there was a new point of contact, uh, quote unquote, point of con- point of contact um, for for League of Legends specifically at Riot Games for Collegiate and um, for for Collegiate and Scholastic for for lack of a better term. Uh, and and the the the, the I'm gonna I'm not gonna use their words because I I don't want anyone to get in trouble. But I think that the the their opinion, Riot Games' formulated opinion is we know you exist and we hear your gripes and we're going to listen to the community by not doing anything about it. <laughs> that, that just kind of seems to be the movement right now um, with, with a company like Riot Games. And, 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 and as Mike uh, mentioned, um, we're not asking for the world, right? Educators really don't ask for the world. At, in some cases, we're really just asking to be able to play your free-to-play game Perhaps like it, it, to me, it seems mind-boggling that they can sign off, uh, sign away a, a, a specific group of students that don't have enough money to play a free-to-play game. Like, it, it, like the the logic is just uh, it's just not there for me. <laughs> but I I have my own opinions about uh, companies like Play Versus. I'm gonna just go ahead and name drop them too, um, and that's perfectly okay with me because their CEO blocks me on Twitter. Uh, that just means I know that I'm doing something right. Right? It's it's a lot of validation. Um, and, and if for some reason someone hears this and passes this on to them, you know, more power to you. We'd love to have a conversation with you instead of perhaps closing the door at every opportunity you have. Well, um, and, and sorry, I'm going to kind of piggyback no, off please, of this and, and, and spin this in a positive sense, right? Like working with high res has been incredible. Um, ever since we looked to transition, like we got a direct contact at high res, uh, for Smite. They hooked us up with like 75 all God packs so we could unlock all of the gods for for uh, a full squad of schools. Um, they gave us a bunch of like exclusive skins to give away. Like they gave us promotional like material to give away. Like they gave us a lot. And it was really great in order to have a positive conversation with a developer like this that trusts us as the organizers for our state. And they're like, exactly. you, you know what we want? We want player base and we understand that if we use you, we get player base. And ultimately that's what it is. Now I'm sure to, you know, um, riot 
we're small potatoes in North America, like scholastic. Um, but again, it, it goes back to this whole thing. Like you talk about the NA pipeline and like how we're always getting trashed in, in international tournaments, which is very true. Um, but again, like what are you doing in order to improve that player exactly. base? And Smite, Smite doesn't obviously have that big of a following in comparison. But again, like if you get some of these kids involved, you're going to have them for at least four years of high school. And if they go on to play collegiate, you could have them for another four years of playing at the collegiate level of Smite. Now you've just retained a client or a customer for eight years. And you can't tell me that even if one of those kids spends $5 over eight years to get something, that's going to be a continuous cycle of new customers coming into the state associations and will eventually like stay with your platform for potentially a decade and drop five, 10, $15. Hell, heck, um, I've dropped like at least $25, $40 to unlock stuff in Smite already. So, I mean, even for me, uh, from that perspective, like I'm donating money as well, basically, in order to get other things. So that's ultimately what I feel they should be looking to do um, is just essentially use us. We have direct access to the customers that you want. And all I, that- I completely agree. Yeah, I, I absolutely. And I, I don't mean to cut you off, but, but I, I completely agree. And I think that uh, some companies are going to learn pretty quickly that you're not too big to support the little guys, right? Because eventually you start to realize that that's where that talent comes from and that's where that player base comes from. Um, we know that the League of Legends player base is already shrinking in size at the at the lower age levels, especially at the high school level. Um, and that's just naturally like even we've seen it all across the state that there's little by little there's less and less kids that are interested in playing league of legends and it's very easy to appeal to that youth but you're losing the momentum by by putting uh, artificial barriers up uh, for the sake of the the quick buck is what it feels like um but you know without uh, getting too negative when you were just talking about that positive i have heard the great things that high res are doing to work with the high school associations and, uh, and in some cases work directly with high schools and it's amazing it's amazing to think that they would even think about um uh, you know partnering at that level as a lot of people you seem to skip over it and not not to mention also that, like epic games while they do have some specific uh, sponsorships and activations through other companies, they're still willing to at least sit down and talk to you, at least sit down and have a voice at the table and, and hear out w- what the gripes are and maybe make something work for, for a lot of these state associations. Exactly. Just, just again, needing a voice in order to hear. And, I mean, essentially, if you look across all of these state associations, just the states that you know I'm directly working with, we have a larger player base than NACEF did. Like we have literally over 12,000 students participating. So we were bigger than NACEF, which was a large, large funded organization. And so if you think about that, that none of these charge hardly anything in order to participate, there's very low barrier of entry. And yet we've cultivated enough of a player base that we're larger than a highly funded in its inception organization to kind of just jump in you know we're we're talking about the publishers being involved we're talking about how many students are really involved as well 
um, with inside of these associations. But let's take a look at something else. All right. Let's take a look at the fact that you have all these endemic and non-endemic brands that are trying to partner with all these tournament organizers out there, either throwing money or just throwing gear or some sort of marketing incentive along with networking. Do you feel that, you know, these high school esports associations and Andy, you could really chime in as well for the IHSEA, you know, should start looking at maybe COPE or esports family or, uh, HyperX, you know, dream seat, really starting conversations with them or those companies, you know, helping with the educational process for parents start, start having conversations with you guys and, you know, your associations. Do you think that is a natural thing that just isn't happening? And do you guys know why that's not happening? I mean, I would say it'd be nice to be able to have some of those conversations with those like equipment providers and, and anybody that's kind of involved in, in like the big space. Um, I think it, it looks really nice. Uh, it would get the kids really jazzed up um, if they're receiving HyperX material or Mac keyboards or, or whatever. Um, but honestly, one of my really big um, initiatives is that I want local companies. I want companies that are in our state of Wisconsin in order to join with this because now our, our research um, from polling our students is, yeah, about 52 to 54% are interested in going into some STEM, STEM related career field. But if we're looking at all of the, the career interests that these students are showing, they're also the students that eventually leave the state to, because they need to go where the industry is. And so Wisconsin companies that are part of this are spending millions of dollars advertising in Chicago. They're advertising in the Twin Cities in order to try to recruit people to move back to the state of Wisconsin. And so I think it's a big thing that Wisconsin, for the limited tech that we have or the, the limited startup companies that we have, like we should be trying to retain our talent here and to show students just how much this state has to offer them or that there are opportunities here and you don't necessarily have to look down to Chicago or to the Twin Cities in order to go find that type of industry. Um, and so, yeah, it would be great to have like HyperX or, you know, HP Omen or any of those big ones getting involved in being a, a big sponsor for us. But to me, I would really love to have like Polar Power or Kohler Engine or uh, Epic Healthcare Systems. You know, some of these larger companies that we have here um, trying in order to help retain this top talent in the state. No, yeah, I could definitely see that as a, as a wanted benefit, but at the same time, flip the coin is you also wanna pull other companies from other states to your state. You know, you wanna be able to build something that no one else can really, really see or really have. Um, or has seen, I should say, or really has. That way, you know, you're going to have other people from other states saying, hey, look, if I look at Wisconsin, you know, they have a top-notch esports educational facility, or they have a top-notch uh, association that has really outfitted, um, not just with athleticism in mind in terms of playing uh, a, a game at a high level, but along with analytics and coaching and directing. And so I, I agree with you. At the, and I'm just adding on another additional layer where you could even further that and kind of push that envelope and just ignite that whole thing on fire. It, and, and again, I, I do agree with you. And I think mm -hmm. the, for us in the state, and again, this, this goes back to the, the unique ecosystem, right? Correct. Is that like our UW system 
the only school that can offer scholarships as public education is UW-Madison. Mm-hmm. UW-Whitewater, Stout, Stevens Point, all of those, like, again, like, we can't compete with most of the state schools in, say, Ohio or the ones in Illinois that are now being able to offer scholarships. Like, it's something that is just continuously kind of pushing us backwards that we, we're going to have this bridge, right? Because usually corporations push down their agendas down to the collegiate level. And then the college is there in order to try to recruit students into those fields and to fill those gaps within our workforce. And then once the colleges start doing it, then it trickles down to K-12. And right now in our state, at least, the K-12 is doing something. The corporations are then looking for something, but we have this gap in the middle that because of the way that our system is set up here in the state, we're we're missing that chain link in order to group these two together and in order to build this type of network out of it. No, that's very that's very interesting in terms of the scope of Wisconsin. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned scholarships. You know, let's kind of turn it to the collegiate side. Let's just look at universities within side of Wisconsin uh, and, and the Midwest. You know, you want to start. Uh, you have an esports program, or your institution finally looking at esports as a whole. And as an educator, what would you tell your students like? to go to a certain school. What is a selling point for you? Is it the scholarship opportunity? Is it the esports program? Or is it the fact of the institution as a whole and the educational purposes they provide? I tell I tell any of our kids that are looking to go to play at the next level, I tell them don't just look at the scholarship, look at the campus, look at the community, look at the coach, um, look at the facilities that are there, not just the esports ones, right? Like your ultimate goal going to college is not going to be going pro in esports. Your job is in order to get trained and educated so that you can be successful in your career after college. And so I've had a couple of students that um, I have like, I don't know, four or five former students that are playing collegiately. Um, Three out of the five are on scholarships and others are just playing at, at the local state schools. But again, they have found a place that, fits for them, the like the campus life, you know, the the opportunities that are there, the majors, the scholarship is just a bonus. Um, now I have one that does have aspirations of going pro. And I do think that he has the ability to go pro and he's at a university that will give him that opportunity to potentially get exposure to go pro. So um, I think again, sitting down and having some of these conversations with these students that just because you can get a $5,000 scholarship or a 10,000 or, you know, 60%, is it worthwhile to spend your time there if it's not going to create you as a better end product for working 40, you know, 30 to 40 years after you're done? Yeah, no. And I definitely admire the way that you're tackling that um, and getting your students prepared. Um, And for any students and parents that are listening, uh, you will have institutions that will throw big time scholarships at you. Uh, but I highly, highly advise to do your research on that institution as a whole, uh, both in the education uh, that they provide, uh, what the graduation rates are, how well are those programs, and then along with what does that esports program actually do in terms of competing, both athletically, but does it provide anything in terms of esports academics? Um, because at the end of the day, not everyone has the opportunity to go pro. 
And if your child wants to stay in esports, the longevity of their career is to be able to transfer over into the esports industry as either a broadcaster, an analyst, or an entrepreneur as well, just to name a few. And you want to put your child in the best environment after they graduate high school to succeed in their adult years. And Andy, it sounds like you had something that you wanted to chime in. So I'm going to just sit back and then pass you the mic. Sure. Well, you know, the 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 point that you're making here is, is, is good. I, I think that in particular, I always tell my students that you have to look at the classes first. Like, I, I really want to know what you want to do with your life first before you look and, and take a scholarship for a school that you may not be happy at. And, and, and I do a lot of research on the colleges that my uh, students mentioned because I, I want to make sure that they are going to be in good hands, of course, number one. Um, but number two is that you're not going to be bored when you go there, right? Mm-hmm. Are, are you going there for the right reasons? And if they do have the right classes, is the caliber of the esports program the same or equal or, or better than the caliber that we provide at Naperville North? Um, and, and my whole thing is, is that if you've got one coach that is paid part-time, which is not, not bad in, in uh, necessarily starting out, right? Um, but if the, the, the eSports program is just not fully fledged out in the same way that um, even a high school could replicate, I think that a lot of these students may have uh, struggle having that transition between our program and a program that may be lesser at the collegiate level. Mm-hmm. Just because they're, they're providing all of this money doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be happy there. Um, and, and in order to maintain your scholarship, you'll most likely have to stay on the esports program, right? Uh, if it's an esports-based uh, scholarship. So, you know, you're really going to have to uh, do your research. I always tell kids to do your research. Do college visits all the time. I always tell the kids, do as many college vis- visits as you can, outside of COVID, of course. Um, and, and, and really make an informed decision. And, and I work really closely with parents as well. You know, parents are obviously want the best for their, most parents obviously want for the best for their kids, I'll say. Um, and, uh, you know, th- there's, there's always opportunities to learn about esports and learn about um, colleges as well. So I just feel like I've learned so much from doing research on my own uh, for my students. And, um, and, and, and kind of moving on from there, though, uh, Mike, I wanted to mention how do you, for for us in Illinois, we've run into a lot of students that want to play esports in high school and are maybe really, really good, but do not have the interest to play at the collegiate level, which is fine inherently. Um, But for for me, I struggle to to differentiate the students that are good and want scholarships and good and don't want scholarships because apparently that's, that number is pretty high. Um, What, what do, do you, first of all, use any platforms with your students uh, to collect that data and kind of understand who they want to be connected with or what kind of classes they want to take in college or if they want to do esports in college. And if you don't, what is the best way to kind of keep track of those students? Because I know you have a lot of students that you keep track of just on your own and your own program, not just kind of talking about the state level. So we, we do almost everything in house right now. Um, I have, you know, I sometimes poll and survey students, um, and send that out to coaches to have their, their students fill that kind of stuff out just so we can have a general understanding of like who our clientele is, where their interests are, what other titles are they interested in, blah, 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 just so we can always constantly try to improve ourselves um, as an organization. And that's why I often host to like sometimes just little streams where it's like, hey, casual, come ask me anything. Like, like what kind of questions do you have? What voice do you want to have expressed? Um, and just kind of creating that, 
Um, I've been trying to really avoid committing to um, any of like the online platforms just because of the vetting process and, and, you know, having to have students register on a third party platform and what kind of data are they collecting? It's just been a really kind of a, a big process and, and no offense to some of the platforms, but it's, it's like an LMS system. Like you put a different wrapper on it. It's got the same functionality as everybody else's. So what really makes this stand out? Like, why is this something that's needed instead of us just using our spreadsheets? Um, that's valid. That's valid. Um, as somebody that has vetted a lot of LMSs, um, it feels the exact same way. Um, but I think, you know, I try to be in contact a lot with um, colleges, whether that's uh, as part of the NACAD program or in like the NACE discord or anything along those lines, like, Part of what I think that my job is, is to go out and to make those contacts and kind of if they have any upcoming tournaments or boot camps or, you know, summer uh, curriculum or whatever, summer programming, that I share all of those opportunities. So it's not that, you know, we don't share all that material we do. Um, it's just kind of we try to limit how, how much direct access that some people have to our students um, just from more of like a safety standpoint. Um, but sorry, that's kind of a roundabout way of answering it, but no, no, perfect. And, and the reason why I ask is that this is my natural transition into, I don't know if you saw that eFuse did that top, like almost like ESPN top 100 for uh, high school students, for colleges to recruit. And uh, I, you know, I, I, I totally get what you're saying with the, uh, like for us, you know, it's called SOPA. I don't know what it's called up there. Yeah. Well, unless, unless SOPA is like the national. Name yeah, that's it. the federal one. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so, so essentially SOPA for, for those listeners that don't know what SOPA is, um, it is soup in Spanish, uh, but also SOPA uh, <laughs> is a student online privacy protection act. And uh, essentially what that means is you really have to, as schools really have to make sure um, they know where, com what companies are taking, what information and using it where essentially and not selling it um and, and that's the that's the the tldr of, of, of sopa and so uh obviously our job as educators has always been to be the gatekeeper uh, of, of our students information versus uh, bad actors or companies that are just going to sell their information uh, in the space anyway um and, and the reason why i bring up efuse is that I, first of all i thought it was pretty unique that they kind of publish a, a esp on top 100 i think that's pretty cool um, and also, I think uh, your, I don't want to say counterpart, but someone you work with a lot, um, uh, James O'Hagan, is on the uh, like advisory board for their website, uh, which I, I was a part of, or I still am a part of, and it's, uh, it, it's, it's just good to have, again, a seat at the table. And, and of course, every meeting has been uh, James talking about uh, student privacy protection, and I admire him for that. <laughs> Seriously do. Um, that sounds like he, him. He brings the fight to the front lines constantly, and I hate to talk about him on a different podcast because <laughs> I'm still salty that he won't have me on his podcast. Um, not that I've ever directly asked, but come on. Well, you are through this clip. <laughs> I am now. James, I want to be on your podcast. Um, <laughs> no, but really, uh, though, he, he's someone who, who really does fight the good fight, um, and I know that educators involved in the esports space, everyone knows his name, right? He's almost like an ed tech celebrity yeah, in a way. Yeah, he's an um, esports <laughs> e edu influencer. Yeah, that's right. That, that's a really good way to put it, esports edu influencer. He might not um, like that title, but... <laughs> <laughs> Whether or not he likes it is kind of, uh, you know, 
it, it just is what it is. He's he's just famous at this point. Um, no, but I, I I completely agree, and that's what we do at the IHSCA and in, in, in Illinois, um, and in my own program is that we've so far done everything, um, kind of on our own uh, in-house basis. Uh, but then I look at these leaderboards and I'm like, oh man, so many of my kids would just be like way over like these these leaderboards and top 100s. Um, and then, you know, I, it may be something that as I would get more comfortable with whatever uh, E Fuse is going to be up to in the next few years or in the next few months even, uh, if if I'm pretty comfortable with that, I may just offer it to students. Not saying that you have to sign up for this, but uh, a lot of our our students who are really really passionate, really really good at what they do. Um, they need that exposure, I feel like. And and they are trying their, to put their name out there as much as possible on Twitter anyway. So it kind of feels like I, I'd, I'd want to give them a, an extra platform to to have that opportunity kind of outside of the, almost like outside of the scholastic space even. Because um, we've had kids that have gone to college, of course, but we had a kid that went to play for the Atlanta Rain Academy uh, and the Overwatch League. And so we, we, we just at Naperville North specifically, we just, we just somehow breed success. And, uh, I want, I want my kids of course to have as much uh, exposure as possible while of course maintaining their, their privacy, their protection and always working through parents is the number one thing. Um, making sure that parents are aware and, and their support what their, what their kids are doing. So yeah, completely agree. Well, then so, a question to, oh. sorry, uh, you know, I might go ahead, go ahead. So, and, and I guess to your point on that, like I, I guess two points. Number one, like we do have like stat tracking um, and it's usually something that we do at the end of every season to where we do have our all conference and all state awards. And that's really recognizing our best of the best, not only for their KDA, right. But then also the positive impact that they've been making on their program. So like, you know, we have some that are like, I'll give you one example. Um, One student, did he have the highest KDA in the state? No. Did he, you know, ensure that his team did VOD reviews, that they were doing practices, that they were doing picks and band strategies for Smite? Did he ensure that um, everybody was dressed up like like traditional athletics, like they're in a button-down shirt and tie on game day? Like made sure that they did all of that, was like an activist to their school board. Um, about the importance of their program. Like if you say no at the end of this series, I'm going to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but again, like that's, that's the positive impact that they're making that we recognize them for all state. And like, that's the difference that not only did you like destroy it on the rift or whatever, but you're also an, ex- a super positive leader in your community. And to us, that's more important because, you know, K-12, our goal is to develop, good citizens. Right. And so that's, that's the big positive thing that we want to take away, not just how you're performing in game, but how are you leading your school? And then number two, I I like some of those lists. And then I don't at the same time, because um, in a few of the collegiate positions that I've interviewed for, for the director spots, um, they essentially asked me like, all right, you have $30,000 in scholarships. What do you, who do you recruit first? And I'm like, well, I, I want a team captain. Like, number one, I want somebody that I can build a team around. And they're like, okay, so how are you looking? Uh, you know, how are you scouting for those people or finding them? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm going to contact coaches and figure out who their leaders are. Like, I don't necessarily care about rank. Like, granted, I'm not going to be competing against, um, you know, like Maryville or, or some of those other like top collegiate programs. But 
in order to start and establish a program, the first thing I want is somebody that I can build a program around and a leader that can help take some things off of my plate. Like I told them I would rather have a gold mid laner or ADC than potentially a master or a challenger. Because if the attitude is the correct thing, that I can have a leader that's positive, that like helps their team, they're collaborative, like they have all of those other personality traits, I'd rather have a lower ranked player than a, a top tier player. Just totally agree purpose. with you there. Totally. So agree. you you bring up you you guys are bringing up how to really one recruit kids, help kids get their name out there. We're talking about the one hundred list. Well, let's look at Efuse's pipeline, right? We're already talking about Efuse. What do you gentlemen both think of Efuse's pipeline? And, and if you guys don't know, uh, the pipeline is a place where you're able to create your account as a student primarily as a high school student to promote where you're at in terms of your ranking. Um, you can also provide links to your discord along with league of let your league of legends handle and several other things and what school you'll be graduating from and the graduating class to help a recruiter find you. Would you two gentlemen as educators promote this to your students and a part of your respective associations promote usage of the eFuse pipeline to help students you know, that you both teach with inside of your unique districts and throughout your states to make accounts on eFuse and be involved, or would you not and be a little bit skeptical of it? What What, what is your guys' view? So, well, oh, go ahead. Go I, ahead. I mean, I have an eFuse account. Um, mm -hmm. I've I've spoken um, with the with the organizers there as well, um, and I love that they're pulling you know statistics straight out of the API. Um, another good platform that's out there is gyo.gg. Um, they're based out of Indiana. Um, but again, the the hardest part of all of this right now is that there are so many of these platforms that perform relatively similar functions. Mm -hmm. And for me, like, I don't want to be on seven different sites and like that perform the same functionality. So I, I, I broadcast these opportunities again to students, like no matter what, no matter what your platform or function is, like if you send me an informational flyer, I will post it and at least share it and just say like, this is not a uh, WIHSCA sponsored event, or this is not a sponsored, um, you know, initiative. This is your own free will if this is your path. Um, for me, when talking with my students, if they're looking to be recruited, again, we go through the list, like, do you want a big campus, small campus? Do you want like, what majors are you looking at? Um, you know, are scholarships important? And if so, let's go look at these schools and then let's directly contact the coach. Um, which I, I know for many coaches, the first thing that they say is, I love it when kids come to me. Like it's a lot easier to recruit when they just come to me. Mm -hmm. um, so again, it's, it's getting that initiative out of students as well. So I, I, I have no problem with some of those platforms. Um, and I think they serve a great purpose. And I, I do tell students that if they want an easier way to get scouted, that that's one way. But, you know, one school that you may want to go to isn't on this platform. It's on this platform, you know. And so it's 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 sometimes tough in order to say, like, you need to be on six different platforms if you want to be recruited for this game versus this game or this college versus this college. Like, it's just it's tough. I think you hit it right on the head. Um, but my my kind of encompassing feeling about 
uh, the E-Fuse one is that it feels like it's the first one to do it right. And that's just me. I also have an E-Fuse account, right, that, I, that I've had, I think, say, a year and a half or so, two years. Um, and I, to me, it just, uh, the, the, the platform is very much the same as, as something like a GYO score. Um, however, it, the fact that the platform isn't, this is kind of a weird opinion to have, I feel like, but the fact that the, the platform isn't only for scouting almost makes it seem a little bit more legitimate because there's a lot of there's a lot of different opportunities that aren't just scholastic on efuse that and, and you could tell that it's ramping up in popularity um so to me it makes sense that uh you know a, a student would make a profile or, or like a portfolio on that uh, on efuse um, it, but i would never tell a student this is your sole way of getting recruited ever and i completely agree with you there because i would want them to take every opportunity, like if they wanted to go to Maryville, first of all, I would tell them you need to be at least challenger, right? But before you even before they even look at you, right? Or at least what that's what it feels like, right? For for League of Legends, let's just say, um, you need to be good. And another thing is that you need to reach out. You need to talk to Clerky. You need to talk to Zoo. You need to talk to their head coach um, in order to to even get your name out there. You know, participate in their in their combines. Participate. In anything that you can get involved in the community, um, that is the the number one way I think to to really get your name out there. So if it's a specific school, I feel like they would be able to uh, reach out uh, and and do things a little bit better. And and there's no harm in, in I feel like having a portfolio um, that they 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 can build themselves uh, that they can just hand a recruiter if 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 they were at an event or whatnot. Um, and I feel like uh, you know we used to manually build those for our students and and we still do. Um, but it may be beneficial for them to have like an online one. For, for instance, but you seem like you were you mentioned a little bit about job hunting for directorship uh, for collegiate. So have I for a while, and I feel like having a hit marker profile and having a hit marker resume has helped a bit because when I get reached out to, I can send them a link that has every all of my information and all of my uh, work history. And that's not just LinkedIn, because I feel like LinkedIn is, is kind of a hit or miss for a lot of uh, people that are looking for jobs or recruiting and whatnot in the esports industry. Um, so it, it very much does feel like it's it's scattered across a bunch of different uh, platforms for students and even for people like us that are looking for esports positions in, the, in that same space. Um, but I, I certainly agree, though. It, it, you got to be a go-getter about, about these uh, scholarships, and you got to be able to get up and walk towards your your potential school with um with a lot of confidence and a lot of preparation yeah no i definitely agree i mean as as a student especially um or just a gamer when you enter into this space you're creating your own little businesses and your little businesses are based upon your personality and which is your brand and so if you want to go play collegiate I agree with what Mike is being said. You know, you want to go talk to, uh, you know, your teacher, your guidance counselor, find out, you know, what schools are going to make the best experience possible for you for what you're trying to achieve. Now, if you want to just go to a school that has an esports program, there's several out there. But now, if you want to go to a school that has an esports program that gives you the best shot at going pro and has full time. Uh, coaches for your designated team that's going to significantly limit the amount of schools available to you and that's going to require you to also have a certain skill level 
Um, but it's also going to require you to be that, you know, Andy saying go getter. I'm going to say it's going to require you to be a, someone that's able to be effective in the world of business. You have to sell yourself, which is your unique brand on what your accomplishments are, what you're going to be able to do with them and what you will achieve after your graduation time at that institution. Now, if you're looking for, I would say Boise State, um, which is doing more broadcasting, you can be involved in esports that way, but the same thing still applies. What are you gonna do in terms of broadcasting? How are you going to work for that university? Why is that university gonna be interested in you? And then at the conclusion of your four years, not just saying, hey, I graduated, I got this degree, but what accomplishments, what milestones are you going to have? Um, that is what's going to make you the most effective person of a little business. And a little business is yourself. So surprisingly enough, we are 50 minutes in already. I cannot believe how much we've spoken already. It feels like we just started. Um, we do a little uh, segment, I'll call it a little, little portion of our podcast uh, where we go through our guest Twitter's account, and we, we look up at some, some tweets that we may want a little bit of additional context on, or maybe uh, something you want to explain uh, to a, a deeper uh, degree. Are you all right with that, Mike? Sure, let's do it. <laughs> so, I feel like uh, all of our guests have said the same thing. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, one, one tweet I have open here is from uh, the 27th of last month. And it is, uh, quote, can you imagine troubleshooting 45% of all high schools' networks to get the Nintendo Switch to work at their school? If customer service wasn't getting back to you before, submit a work order now for the fall, dot, 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 or join your local state association. What's that all about? <laughs> uh, that's uh, Nintendo deciding to go ahead and partner with uh, another national organization. And uh, that tweet is... Uh, well, it's a little snarky, uh, if I'm being completely honest. Um, it's number one that um, I'm really worried that Nintendo is going to form some sort of exclusivity deal um, like Riot did. And that's going to essentially crush a lot of these state associations and crush a lot of our students' experiences. Um, or if they put in like the EU community guidelines to where you're capped at 140 participants in your tournament. Um, again, that would that would be extremely detrimental to the growth of all of this. Um, and then number three, when you're requiring kids to play at school underneath a coach, that means that your Nintendo Switch must connect to your network. And if any of you have tried to connect a Nintendo Switch to your school network, it's an absolute nightmare. And there is no guide. confirm. There is Absolutely. no guide out there that you can be like, oh, yeah, I tried this. Uh, oh, and it didn't work, so I should try this. Like, there is none of those guides. There's none of the, like, the direct ports that need to be open. There's none of this. Like, there's nothing out there. So for an organization that's claiming that they have 45% of all high schools competing on their platform, and if they start <laughs> offering Smash, like, yeah, good luck. Good luck helping 45% Our... of the United States high schools troubleshoot how to get a nintendo switch to work on every single network that is so true and, and in fact i just spoke with our it uh networking today and they said that uh they gave me a little bit of a heads up that the the, the nine rules that they had to write into their network have failed and something corrupt so they're gonna have to rewrite it from scratch again so they're like it's probably gonna be a few weeks before you can use the switches on the network again i'm like that's fine I, you know we're in the summer it's okay um, yeah, totally agree. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pain. It's a nightmare. 
Um, and I, uh, I, I also look forward to hearing about the, the, the aftermath of uh, the beginning of that season. <laughs> um, one more tweet I have for you. Uh, this, this is unfortunately really close to the last tweet uh, because I, I do want to just I want to know if there's story or, or, or context behind this. Your tweet simply says, why aren't shorts considered to be business casual? I just want to know <laughs> what the context behind that tweet was. So my school doesn't have air conditioning. and it was like 90 degrees outside when we had that big heat wave that came through the Midwest uh, towards the end of the school year. And like I read my employee handbook, um, essentially verbatim, it says that it must be business casual. And by, by definition, shorts are not considered to be business casual. And as I'm sitting in my classroom in slacks and like a polo, I'm like, I, as I'm dying now, I'm, I'm somebody that prefers zero degree weather. Like I love ice fishing. I love snowboarding. I love taking the dog for a WALK when it's snowing. Like I love that. The second that it gets above 75 degrees, I'm uncomfortable and probably <laughs> sweating. So like the second that my classroom is over 80 degrees before my kids get there, and then I get 25 kids that are all on laptops. Like it gets 90, 95 degrees in there and I'm dying. Oh, yeah, it'll get toasty. Absolutely. Yeah. It'll get toasty. So like my thought process was like, if I could wear this on the golf course, why can't I wear this in the classroom? Why aren't shorts considered to be business casual? Um, I love the follow tweet underneath from Sean, uh, who is the, <laughs> the director at, uh, uh, was that St. Clair's? Yeah. Probably? Yeah. In Colorado. Uh, yeah, or, uh, uh, Canada. Or Canada. Yeah. Canada. Yeah. His reply was in esports, they might be. <laughs> I mean, in esports, you can get away with just wearing like dry fit clothing and like athletic sweatpants, quote unquote. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, and I and I wouldn't want it any other way. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, no, that's I, my preferred. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm wearing right now. So, uh, right, exactly. Well, it's a loungewear, you know. Yeah, you're comfy. You're gaming. Yep. Uh, I could not agree more. Mike, you have any, uh, any anything else to mention before I give him uh, a chance to kind of speak his mind? No, I'm just uh, trying to find the uh, soapbox here really quick so I could place it for him. Um, so you can you can let it rip. <laughs> okay, sure. This is exactly what I was looking for. Uh, Mike, we tend to give our guests a soapbox to stand on at the very uh, last portion of our podcast because we are really interested in what our guests are working on and uh, what they're doing or, or maybe even if the, the big thing that you want to talk about is some advice for anybody or if it's promotional or if it's I want to tell the world something and they need to listen right now. Uh, kind of deal is there anything that while we give you this soapbox mike if you found the soapbox here it is i did here you go here you go here, All right, here you go here you go mike so mike if you stand on the soapbox here what is it that you would like everyone in the esports world that can listen to this podcast what would you like them to know is it any advice is it a criticism is it uh just something you're passionate about go um i i guess one thing that i'm really proud that is happening right now is that we have been opening up internships for our state um, we're going to have students, uh, high school and collegiate, um, that are going to be stepping into some of these leadership roles, um, as far as like our casting, graphic design, social media, so on and so forth. Um, I'm really excited because esports isn't just the gaming side of it. There are so many of these kids that are interested in other aspects and components that we are finally opening the doors to be able to give them some of those opportunities in order to work forward. 
hopefully uh, in the near future, we'll actually be able to make sure that they are some sort of like paid or scholarship uh, opportunities. Um, so that way that they're not just working for free. Um, but I'm really, really happy with that. And, and I know this is, this is probably going to be an unpopular opinion uh, from another podcast that I listened to this, this uh, last week. But I do believe that any educator who wants to step into this position in order to lead a program, it's okay to feel uncomfortable that you don't know these games. You know how to manage students and to start a program. That's the first thing that you need to do is to understand how to manage them and herd those cats in order to get them into an opportunity to be successful. Um, eventually, this, this environment will continue to shift in the future as more of our college students are graduating and going back into their communities and they step into that coaching role. They're going to come in being your subject matter expert on, on the titles and will actually literally be able to coach those kids. Um, and we're starting to see some of that now. I got a couple of college students that just returned to their hometowns and they're now becoming the head esports coach at their, their alma mater high school. Um, so it's a, it's a cycle, right? Just like we see with traditional athletics, we're about to start to see some of that with esports, but you don't have to be afraid of taking that first step. And I think for many teachers that that is an uncomfortable step into a world that they know nothing about. But if you sit and ask your kids about it, I guarantee you they will explain things at great lengths, whether you want them to or not at some times. Um, but they, they will take leadership and ownership, which is the most important thing. And all we have to do sometimes is just guide them down the right path. That was, that was excellent. That was, that was truly excellent. I think that's uh, no offense to our previous uh, podcast uh, holders, but I think that was one of the, the, the best and well thought out uh, that, that we've ever had. It's almost like you had it written down and you were reading it from a piece of paper. It was just that, that good. It, it, it was just it's that it's a common message that I love to, to just drive because when you onboard, a, you know, a hundred, 150 schools, it's a common thing that keeps coming up. Um, and I think it's just important to keep reiterating. And that's exactly why we wanted you on today. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit and chat with us. Um, I, I have our, my mic and mics here um, and this, in this awesome edition of the Blueprint. Um, Mr. Wisney, else anything? Or, oh, my gosh, I said your name incorrectly. I, I started the <laughs> podcast. I look, just looked at your name, and I started the podcast so great, and then I still messed it up on the record somehow. Um, but anyway. Mike, thank you for being on the podcast today. And then Mike, Mike, other Mike, thank you for continuing to be here week to week. Um, and uh, we will see you all another time. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>